You just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career. Learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. We're happy that you're here, no matter where you're watching. If you're on uh, YouTube or uh, Facebook, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we got a treat today. This is one of my favorite people in the world. A brother of mine, man. We got Michael Laron. He's an author of over more than 40 books at this point, I believe. And uh, he's also uh, on YouTube uh, known for Author Level Up. If you're not watching this stuff, uh, you're just not trying. So welcome to the show, Michael. I'm really glad to have you here, man. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. Great to be, great to be a part of the Draft the Digital family here on the show. Yeah, well, you and I have talked quite a bit over the years, uh, and we we kind of started as we were both part of the same sort of uh, small group of authors, kind of banding together to just. Uh, you guys had a podcast, uh, and I, and yep. I managed to get, get a guest spot on there a couple of times. That was fun. Yeah, it was <laughs> the Two Be Red podcast. That was that was Two a lot Red of fun. Podcast. Takes me I back. I missed that one. Yeah, yeah it was it was fun. A, do a reunion <laughs> show. That would be fun, actually. Come back like the Beatles. So, yeah, once uh, every, once every uh, ten years or something like that. There you go. Yeah, you can all be on a rooftop somewhere and just uh, do the show live from the top of a bar somewhere. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's free. Hopefully, no one's scared of heights or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm really excited to have you on here because um, I actually reference you quite a bit. I, I talk about you know I, I of course I point people to your YouTube channel. Um, and all the stuff you're doing for uh, uh, Ally. Is it Ally or Ally? How ally. should I be pronouncing that? Ally. Yep, that's Ally. Just, just rhymes with the, the, the standard word, Ally. Ally. And that stands for, give it to me. What's the Alliance of Independent Authors. Nonprofit yeah, organization a, for self-published writers. There you go. And uh, I've met uh, Orna Ross. I had her on my show, uh, Wordslinger Podcast. She's a friend of show, friend of Draft Digital. Uh, he's part of that. So, um You've got a lot going on, man. You're one of the busiest people I've ever known. Every, everyone always asks me how I get everything done. And I say, I look at Michael Ron and I feel ashamed <laughs> of myself and get back to work. That's how I get everything done. Because <laughs> yeah. what do you got going? You got a whole litany. Let's let's go down the list. What do you yeah, got I mean, going I, on in your life? I technically have like four jobs. So I, I have a daytime job in insurance. Um, I'm a consultant at a Fortune 100 insurance company. And that is a fairly intensive and stressful job. I also uh, am a father. I'm, um, I've got a beautiful wife, a beautiful daughter, a puppy, and a rabbit. So, yeah. um, you know, being, being a father and being a husband and son and all that, good stuff. Uh, I'm also a writer, so I've written over 40 books, got a YouTube channel, have uh, three podcasts, um, do a lot of things in the community. I'm also the outreach manager for Ally. So uh, it's kind of my job to bring in new members and uh, promote the organization out there on the interwebs and all over the world. Uh, I'm also in law school as we speak. So I'm going through law school and um, I'm almost done with that. I got about a year left. And then uh, I also teach uh, insurance classes on the side. So I I, I got a lot of things going on, but, you know, I I like staying busy. Yeah, just a few. (laughs) Law school. What's your what's your goal with the uh, law degree? Pure knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, my employer's paying for the majority of it, so I said I want to go and you know get the skills that will benefit the employer on the job, 
but also be able to take curriculum things that will help me with writing. So contracts, being able to negotiate film contracts, copyright law, intellectual property, uh, employment law. When I get to the point where I'm starting to hire employees to work for me, all of that was a, a very strategic move to go to law school for. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I can't hurt in uh, your other careers either, I guess. To have no, no. I mean, it has benefits in all area of your life, all areas of right. your life. So, And now because of this lifestyle, because of uh, the amount of time you have to spend kind of transitioning between things, uh, you picked up on a skill. Now, I want to give some backstory because a few years ago, <clears throat> pardon me, a few years ago, I was stuck in Florida. I say stuck. You're never quite stuck, right? But I was between conferences and uh, my Bluetooth keyboard crapped out. And I, I just wanted to, to take my phone and write on my phone uh, because it was just faster, easier. I didn't have to carry a bunch of stuff around while I moved around. And I remember reaching out on Facebook and, and asking people like for advice, like what's your, what's your Bluetooth keyboard of choice or whatever. And your response changed my life, honestly, because you came back with, you know, I write on my phone using my thumbs. Like you write all your books that way. You did yeah. at that time. Yep, yep, I still do. Still do. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. So now I've done that. And I, you know, and I, a lot of, I've written several books now that way. Uh, I still like my keyboard. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But having that ability uh, has made it so that I can write anywhere. So that's profound, man. So what, what was it that led you to start doing that? Well, it was the I fact that, hit on it. yeah, I mean, it was the fact that I was never in front of my computer during the day. I mean, I go to work, come home, have family time. I'm constantly running around. And so I said, if, if, if I'm going to continue being a writer and continue doing all the things that I want to do, you know, running my YouTube channel off levelup.com. I forgot to mention that, but a YouTube channel for writers. Um, and I want to write books. I, I have yeah. to fi- I have to figure this out. And so I went looking, I tried dictation for a little while, but you still had to be tied to your computer, at least at that mm-hmm. time, dragging anywhere wasn't really a thing. And so right. I said, I, I've got to adapt and so I learned how to write, write on my phone. Right. So it was, it was really more of a necessity thing than it was. Oh, I just want to try it and see what it looks like, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. You, you're not a poser like me. You actually, you put it to work. So what, uh, what software are you using when you uh, write on your phone? Yeah, I use uh, Scrivener iOS okay. for my fiction. And then I use a lot of Ulysses iOS as well for my right. nonfiction and kind of capturing my thoughts. So I, I like to say I use both of them um, probably about 50-50. Yeah, I used to use Ulysses way back in the day. I, I, haven't, yep. I haven't used it for a few years now, but I, do, I did kind of like it as a platform. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I find so it's easier for nonfiction. Really? Why is that? It's just... it. It's nice because they have a universal library feature. So Scrivener, it stores your your writing projects as project files. So if I have novel A and I want to open up novel B, I've got to shut down the the file for novel A and open up novel B, right, in Scrivener. Okay. Ulysses, it's got a main library. So if I want to just search for novel novel B, I can just search for it, and everything is there within the same file, which I think is helpful if you're blogging. It's helpful if you're doing YouTube. You know, because you can you can see all of your content at a, at a fingers, you know, fingers right. type versus having to open and close different files. Right. So do you script uh, your YouTube stuff uh, using Ulysses? Is that what you're saying? I used to. Um, I, I yeah. usually just plan out my stuff with Ulysses. Yeah. I find it's easier. The bigger your Scrivener files get, the the slower Scrivener gets. 
And so yeah. Ulysses, Ulysses can handle a lot before it starts to slow down. Yeah. So you're, um, okay. With all this going on, um, I imagine like you got to keep, you, you, it's not just about writing anywhere. It, it is also about making sure you know what you're writing and making sure you have the, uh, inspiration on demand, if you will. So, mm -hmm. uh, one of, one of the things that you were, you had suggested talking about, and I think this is great was, uh, overcoming writer's block. So how do you keep ideas flowing? Yeah. Well, uh, to preface this, I actually have a book and it's one of my most popular books about this. It's called Be a Writing Machine. And uh, you can get that at authorlevelup.com slash machine. And it's basically my manifesto to how you can eliminate writer's block forever and, and truly okay. be prolific. Um, so, you know, writer's block, I think, comes from three major sources. The first is a lack of inspiration, meaning you're just not feeling it. You know, yeah. uh, the second is um, a a lack of um, um, well, fear. Fear right. is the second cause. And then the third is um, personal circumstances. So illness, deaths in the family, extenuating circumstances that, that happen to come up. Um, and if you understand that, it, you, and, you, and you understand if you're, if you're dealing with writer's block, about of it, and you understand where the block is coming from, that's yeah. the first step in knowledge to figuring out how to, how to overcome it. So to your point of inspiration on demand, one of the things that I've always done for the past probably 10 years or so is I keep a notebook full of inspiration. So if I'm talking to you and you come up with something that's a really interesting idea or a really interesting image or an interesting idea for a story, I capture it in the Evernote app on my phone. So okay. I've developed hundreds, if not thousands of different notes and apps that serve as inspiration for me. If I have lack of inspiration, I can turn to that and take a look at all the different ideas I've had over the years. And maybe some of those wind up into my story. Right, um, right. The second is fear. And fear is a big one because we all have it. We all have to deal with it. And you, there, you just have to learn that sometimes it's your fear talking. It's yeah. not it's not it's not actual writer's block. And if you can learn to silence the fear, then you can move you can move forward. Um, you know, Navy SEALs go through pretty extensive training. And um, one of the things they teach them when they're when they're in training and they feel like they can't continue is what they call micro steps, right? So right. don't don't worry about getting through boot camp. Just worry about moving your arm as you're crawling in the mud, right? If that's the only right. thing you focus on, just move your arm and then move your arm again and just keep doing it that way. And it's really, really tough, but eventually you'll get through it and you'll get to a point where the block isn't a problem. And then, you know, personal circumstances, you know, sometimes writer's block uh, happens because there's other things we need to be dealing with, right? So if you, yeah. you know, if you've got something going on, it's your subconscious blocking you. So take care of the problem, and then when you come back to the page, that you'll find that the writer's block goes away. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really just about muscling through, though, right? Like you, you can't just force yourself to not have writer's block. Sometimes, right? <laughs> well, you know, okay. me, me personally, I find that you just have to understand where the block comes from. You know, yeah. sometimes it is about muscling through it. And okay. it's about having patience and even 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 being comfortable with not being comfortable with being uncomfortable with what you're putting on the page. Right. That is a learned skill, because I think most of us, the way we're trained is what I'm writing is crap. I need to rewrite right. it. Right. But what you don't realize sometimes is even though you, what you think you're writing is crap, readers may not see it that way. Exactly.
you know? So it is, it is about muscling through it. Um, I think so much of it is about mindset though. You know, if, if you, if you can just get your mindset correct about how to deal with it, then it, you can deal with the problem. So right. it makes me a little bit contrarian um, <laughs> when I talk about this, but you know, I, I really do think that I really do think there isn't such a thing as writer's block. It's just figuring out how to how to shift your energy into a more productive direction. Right. Yeah. I I, I hate to say it because everybody always hates me when I say this, but I I don't I have never had writer's block. Yeah. Like I don't quite understand what it, what it really is. Uh, so I can't, I can't entirely sympathize. Now I have had those moments where I've, I've, you know, I've put myself in front of a computer and said, okay, time to write. And I didn't quite know what I, what I was there for. Uh, but I almost always just start randomly writing and something starts to happen. Yep, exactly. And that's, <laughs> that's exactly it. And that takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of courage. It's not something that comes naturally to a lot of people. Right. And so, yeah. um, the book I wrote, Be a Writing Machine, is all about that. And I give you step-by-step -step strategies on how to deal with it and how to think about it a different way. Because if you can change your thinking, you can change your output. Yeah, exactly right. I think that's true of all life, actually. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's good life advice, not just Change your thinking, change advice. your life. See, but that's a, isn't that funny how that works out? Like good writing advice is almost always applicable to life in general. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, but that you're, you're so right. <laughs> There's your metric. Is it, would this apply for the rest of my life? Okay, then this is probably good writing advice. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so you're now you. How many? Um, you've got a good mix of uh, both fiction and nonfiction. How much of your time do you spend on on both? I mean, do you do you write both at the same time? You know, uh, not li not literally, but you know, are you always working on both types of work, or do you sort of segment it off? I tend to work on one book at a time. So if I'm working okay. on nonfiction, I focus all of my effort on that. If I'm working on fiction, I focus all my effort on that. I just find that that makes me more productive. Um, that right. being said, you know, I've got my YouTube channel off the level up. I've got a couple of different podcasts out there. So, you know, when I'm writing a novel, I, I'm inevitably working on nonfiction to some degree, you know, just because in a different I've mode. Great content. Yeah, it's just in a different mode. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you find that that helps? Because, uh, I mean, on my side, I mean, I've got all these different things podcasts and other things that I live streams and stuff that I work on. And I find that it actually sort of helps loosen things up a little. Like when I get back to the fiction, I'm, I'm excited about it and want to get back to it. Yeah. It's, it's something similar. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the task switching I think helps. Yeah. I, I, I do, I do really well with variety. Like I can't do the same thing day in and day out over and over again. I've got to yeah. have variety. And so, you know, being able to switch between them is pretty helpful. Yeah. What are some, uh, well, I, uh, this is insane. Uh, I was about to ask you, like, what are some of the things you do to get some variety? But you do a hundred different things each day because uh, you have a hundred different careers going on. <laughs> 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 what's, what's the thing that you look forward to the most each day? Honestly, um, developing thought leadership. So as I think about where we are right now with all the crazy things going on, right? And I think about the future of indie writers. What's really yep. getting me excited right now is experimenting with emerging technology, thinking about where the publishing industry is going and starting to orient myself toward where I think things are going. So essentially becoming the writer of the future, right? And so um, I've been investing a lot of my time, energy and money into 
my writing infrastructure, so to speak. So um, I've been focusing on automating my sales reports. So taking all of the different sales reports out there, how do I, how do I automate them so that I don't have to do any data entry and I can see exactly what I made on all the retailers with just the click of a button. Um, You know, thinking about automation, thinking about what the, what, what the needs of writers in the future are going to be, what the needs of readers in the future are going to be. That really gets me excited right now. I mean, there's a lot to not be excited about right now. I mean, if you turn on the news, but I think there's going to be so many unique opportunities that we as indies are going to have, but that's going to, that's going to involve us evolving. And how do we evolve into the future? That's get that, that's got me really excited right now. I mean, obviously I love writing. That's the number one thing I love doing, but just thinking about that and and putting ideas out into the community um, is something that's got me really excited right now. What are some of the things that you see on the horizon? I think the evolution of writing apps is going to be inevitable. Um, I think that eventually we're going to need writing apps that allow us to become better versions of ourselves. And I think we can get there with machine learning and artificial intelligence. You know, if you think about all the stuff that you've all the stuff that you've written as, as, yeah. as an author, Kevin, all the all the manuscripts that you've sent to an editor. Wouldn't it be interesting if you could feed all of your edits, editors edits through some sort of a program and then the program can look at your current work in progress and then recommend changes based on all the changes that you've accepted from your editor in the past. Right. 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 Like we don't have that today, but I think that technology does exist in some form or fashion. You know, yeah. Um, thinking about um, machine learning for marketing, you know, I mean, a- yeah. Amazon ads are a huge bright spot for me. You know, I think about what if there was a program out there that could l- look at all of my Amazon ad data and then automatically recommend keywords or automatically go out and find new and comparable books based on how my current ads are performing. And it could yeah. probably do it better than I can. Right. I mean, right. That, these right. are sorts of things that machines can do way better than us. Um, you know, that sort of thing is, is interesting to think about and interesting to explore, you know. So yeah. those are some of the things I think, you know, could, if, if, you know, in the short term, um, change the way we do business and change the way we come to market. Because I think we've got to be we've got to learn how to be nimbler because that's yeah. the advantage that we have over traditional publishers. Right. Because we can turn yeah. things that we can turn things on a dime. So how do we continue to stay nimble and continue to have that spirit of innovation and and entrepreneurship that made us where we are today. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of, I, I could actually see a sort of AI machine learning uh, approach to actually the marketing. Cause everyone's looking to authors. We're always looking for somebody to do the marketing for us. Right. I could see mm-hmm. that happening with that kind of technology where it can analyze, not just uh, the ads you're doing, but looking around at ads that are successful elsewhere. And exactly. You know, and it can pop- do copywriting for you too. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm still, I'm still old school in the copywriting. Yeah. Yeah. Still, well, still takes me to do the copyright. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we gotta, we gotta make as much money as we can before the machines destroy yeah. us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm all, I'm all good for it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who's afraid that a robot's going to take my job. I figure uh, if robots come along and take all the, the uh, tasks that I have to do to make a living off my plate, I can just go find new tasks. That's yeah. the way I'm, how, how do we how do we how do we streamline, automate, and yeah. outsource the things that we should not be doing as writers, right. so that we can be doing the right tasks at the right time, because that makes us more money, 
makes us right. more efficient and it helps us build better relationships with our readers. My time right. is not best spent figuring out Excel spreadsheets on how much money I made every month. It takes right. me five, took me five hours a month before I figured out this solution, right? My time is not better spent doing that. <laughs> but right, right. you know, if, if we can find ways to, to, to improve our standing as authors and improve our business operations, I know that that's really corporate and it's not sexy, but those are the things that we have to start thinking about. Now, all that said, I mean, you you did the uh, Excel spreadsheet thing in part because you you thought it was interesting and fun and a good mental exercise, right? Exactly. It wasn't, so it wasn't entirely a waste of time. Like it was. No, it worked. It, it worked really well. One of those distractions that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a distraction, and it was more of what can I learn from this? I'm interested, and yeah. it ended up being very successful. In fact, I'm actually developing a product for that right now. It's called Author Income Dojo. Um, yeah. where I, I can actually help other authors do this with just a few clicks of a button. You can get all of your sales reports into a single report so you can see exactly how much money you made. No data entry Excellent. and almost yeah. no Excel knowledge. You know? Yeah, I like it. Now, you could just distribute through draft to digital and we'll tell you. But that's that's absolutely true. That's absolutely <laughs> that's absolutely true. But you know, you're gonna you're gonna get money from every from a lot of other places too. Hey, whatever, right? whatever, yeah, you whatever know, helps. Affiliate income uh, and, and other sources of income that aren't just well, from see, your now, books. That's a good point. Yeah, that's an excellent point. So yeah, you can see your overall uh, author income. So yeah, I, I imagine you could plug in all kinds of things. Uh, exactly. You got a nice little entrepreneurial tool going there, Mike. I'm trying, I'm trying, trying yeah. to trying trying to keep my hustle up. If you're looking for beta testers, I volunteer as tribute. Uh, Very well. On in. Uh, so, uh, and speaking of that, I mean, well, gosh, man, now you're now you're talking about you know jumping into the entrepreneur pool uh, with a, by developing a piece of software, basically. Like, are you just going to keep piling things on your plate until it just all topples over, or what? Yeah, you know, I, I have a pretty high um, I have a pretty high tolerance on what I can take and what I can't. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I've learned that I've got to start giving tasks away to assistants and things like that. So, you know, it's something I'm, I'm interested in, but for me, like this has to be fun. Yeah. Like I love writing. I love thinking about being a writer. I love strategy. That's, that's where I win. That's where I do really well. And so yeah. I have to keep finding ways to stay engaged myself or what's the point, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how, how is fiction going for you? Good. Yeah. I, I haven't written as much fiction as I would have liked this year, but I'm in the middle of my Good Necromancer series. Um, basically, uh, it's a, a, an ex-necromancer who basically got himself into some trouble um, and swore he would never do it again. And now he's back into the game. And um, readers have really liked it. They've really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm in the middle of book two for that right now. Yeah. So it's good stuff. Now, is he Broccoli? He is not broccoli, and uh, as as if anyone is wondering, what, what why did why did why did Kevin ask if this guy <laughs> was broccoli? I guess I, I should have asked if he was cake. But yeah, yes, it could, is he could have been cake, or he's he's, he's cake. not a vegetable or any kind of food. So I I wrote a series early on in my author career. It was called uh, Moderation Online, and it's about a group of uh, anthropomorphic terrorist vegetables trying to to topple an empire of evil processed foods. <laughs> a little out there in terms of uh, the novel, but um, Kevin always gives me crap for that. <laughs> well, no, I don't get. I, I, I mean, I not thought crap, it was a, but it was I, fun. <laughs> I, I thought it was a bold choice, 
But you've since the reason I bring it up honestly is because you you have retooled that series, right? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. I, I retooled it, um, um, rewrote it a little bit of it, and um, you know made it a little bit more marketable. And um, yeah, that's what I was yeah. curious about. Like, cause it, uh, you know, that's one of the strengths of of indie publishing is our ability to pivot. You had an yep. entire series written, and you pivoted from its original concept. I'm real curious to hear how that went and how you handled it. Yeah. So originally it was just kind of, um, it, it really didn't have a genre, so to speak. I just kind of wrote it as, as I saw it in my head. And as I was um, in the middle of rebranding all of my covers and rebranding all of my series, I found that this was a really, really hard series to convey to readers, right? Because, because yes, it sounds weird. It's it's vegetables versus processed foods, but it's really it's really a commentary about our society and our dependence on bad food and and against clean eating, right? So, I decided let me let me try to shift this a little bit. Let me look at what what is the what are the core elements of the story in terms of genre, and what I found is that this was actually more uh, aligned with like a game lit than than say cyberpunk or or fantasy and so I, I i did a little bit of rewriting not very much and then i uh, got new covers new titles um you know i, I relaunched the book you know re unpublished the old one relaunched the new one and honestly i really didn't see a huge sales uplift it was really more of a branding play so that i could get this to fit within my existing catalog um, because when I first started my career, I will say that I wrote a lot of different stuff and you yeah. could look at my book page and you wouldn't really know what I was about. Right. And so making sure that I had unified covers, making sure that I gave readers clear choices on, okay, if you like fantasy, read this. If you like science fiction, read this so that they could look at any of my series and know instantly what it was. Um, overall that, that in and of itself, I think was fairly successful pivoting this particular series hasn't necessarily paid off for me yet. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask how, it, how it was going. Um, so, but are you, you know, are you finding your goal was to just make it fit with the rest of your stuff? So, I mean, it's mm -hmm. gotta have had some benefit, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this, it's a tough series to market. It's a tough series yeah. to market, but um, I think long-term it positions the series and myself for more opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's something because I'm uh, in the middle of retooling a little bit for the because uh, I'm, I'm trying to expand so that I can write more than just one series. And uh, so I'm kind of rebranding a little. So I'm always asking people how they're doing that. So mm -hmm. it's good. To, yeah, good I've done a lot of rebranding over the years. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. You know, you're, yeah. There's always some element of your platform that that you have to rebrand at some point, whether right. it be your website, whether it be your book covers whether it be some of the messaging that you do when you go on podcasts and things like that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always a work in progress. Oh yeah. My messaging has changed a lot over the years. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Mine too. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, so we're coming up. I, I want to go ahead and open things up. I've been prompting people and we're, we've gotten quite a few comments. I'm sure there's some questions here we can uh, pop up. Uh, we're starting just a tad early, but I think uh, just yeah. to make sure we get up to everything. Um, we got some some familiar faces uh, popping in. Uh, we got uh, Dale with uh, self publishing with Dale. Hey Dale, what's up, guys? He says two of my favorites here. Ah, uh, you're hey, too Dale. kind. And my buddy Rowan uh, says dudes. Uh, so we got a lot of uh, a lot of folks popping in. So let's see. Uh, 
I should have actually prompted a question before. Here he is. Here we are. Uh, so Mark Leslie Lefebvre is asking, can you explain what Ulysses is? Hey, Mark. Yes, Ulysses is a writing app that is is comparable to Scrivener. In many respects, uh, they are probably the top two writing apps on the market. They are um, very different from each other. Uh, Scrivener is, I, I like to say, primarily a novelist writing app. Ulysses is more for bloggers, more for um, people that might be writing short form content. And so Ulysses, um, it's a completely different interface. Um, Scrivener is a lot like Microsoft Word. Ulysses is um, uses a, a style called Markdown that is basically a bunch of text files that are strung together. And that just makes it a little bit lighter. It's a completely different experience. Um, but Ulysses, I think, is a phenomenal writing app. Hope One of the reasons, I, you know, I actually liked Ulysses a lot when it was, uh, when I was using it. And uh, I, I liked the markdown, even though a lot of people hated it. Um, one of the reasons I stopped using it, though, was because I, I had, you know, you use asterisks to uh, mm -hmm. italicize. And uh, somehow uh, some of those were bleeding and staying in the book, even though I was going through and correcting. So uh, yeah. probably something I was doing. But, you know, I decided after getting a, a couple of reviews about it, you know, striking me for it, I decided, yeah, probably best to just move back to Scrivener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Best to use the app that, that makes you the best version of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So Mark actually shared the URL you gave us because uh, I didn't have it programmed in. So if you're in the comments on Facebook, uh, you can probably just scroll up and click on this, authorlevelup.com slash mental models. Uh, yeah, thanks, Mark. Yep, that, and there's that another uh, one you gave. Go yeah, um, authorlevelup.com slash machine was for the Be a Writing Machine book on writer's yeah. block. Uh, mental models is a book that I have. Um, that's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a weird book that I decided to write. It's, it's, if you've ever heard of mental models, they are frameworks to change your thinking about approaching the craft of writing or approaching anything. Right. So yeah. if you think about things that are in mathematics or things that are in science or things that are in business, you can take lessons that those industries have applied and apply them to writing. So right. the subtitle of the book is 73 Ways to Elevate Your Thinking, Improve Your Writing, and Capture Success. So how do you learn how to think like Warren Buffett as a writer? Yeah. yeah. How do you learn how to think like Elon Musk? What are, some of the, what are some of the things that the world's most successful people have done to change their thinking? And how yeah. can you do that and apply that to the writing business? So that's just another uh, book that I've got. You know, I am constantly uh, reading books and, and things uh, that are, you know, how so and how to think like so and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I started with uh, Michael Gelb's um, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, oh, cool. and w which is an amazing book. If you haven't read that, it, it's, it's fantastic. But I do that a lot. Uh, do you find that helpful that, you know, uh, ha have you found, you know, strategies or whatever that have changed the way you work uh, through, through modeling uh, these people? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I talk about in the book is something that um, people have written about with mental models. It's called, it's this idea of liquid knowledge. So it's yeah. taking concepts from one thing and applying them to another. So okay. maybe an example of this. So like in, in insurance, I work in insurance. The first thing they teach you in insurance is how to mitigate risk. Right. So I won't go into this because I'll put everybody to sleep. But there are certain there are certain techniques you can use to to, to stop claims from happening to your customers. Right. 
So okay. one of the things that I, I did early on in my career was I, I used those frameworks and applied them to protecting my work. So if I never want to lose any of my work, like yeah. if my hard drive crashes or something, or if my house burns down, how do I make sure that I never lose a single word that I've written? And so I, right. I learned how to use those insurance frameworks to help me protect my own work. And so I have what I think is a pretty foolproof backup method. And it involves a number of different sources and redundancies. I know it's getting a little tedious, but that's, no, if that's, that's, an area, that's an area where you can take something that insurance people do all the time yeah. and you can apply it to your writing and make sure that well, you never lose your work. We're talking about writing from anywhere. I can't imagine anything more relevant than how to make sure you don't lose what you're writing. Exactly. So is there a, a quick tip you can offer uh, in that direction for uh, people who might be writing yeah. with their thumbs? So like a, like a 30 second cliff notes. First things yeah. first, make sure that you back up your work to multiple sources. So back it up to the cloud, back it up to an external hard drive, use a service like Backblaze, which basically sits underneath your computer and backs everything on your computer up into the cloud. So that that way, if your computer, your computer gets stolen, you have ways to restore all of your different backups. Um, okay. Use external hard drives, like I said, thumb drives, keep a couple of different thumb drives. Then separate some of those backups. So what I do is I keep, uh, I have a thumb drive where I keep all my writing on it. I've got a couple of them and I take them to a safety deposit box at my bank and I deposit them back and forth wow. every time I finish a book. So that way, if the worst thing happens, say my whole house burns down in a catastrophic fire, I've got yeah. something that I can use to back up, back up my work. Um, something you can use, you could use it, Michael, and anyone listening can use it. I wrote an article about this, um, about uh, 10 sneaky hacks for using uh, D2D. Um, yeah. And one of them was, we will keep your, if you upload your manuscript to us, even if you don't distribute it, uh, through us, we have we can keep it as a secure, uh, safe document for you, and you can re-download it anytime you need to. So your original manuscript and the ebook and uh, various ebook versions. So that is awesome. You can use us for that. Can use DTD. There you go. Uh, so Lexi Green asks, "Are you a plotter or a pantser? And if a plotter, do you prefer any particular tools and resources for your plotting and world building?" Yes, Lexi, that's a great question. I am a pantser 100% of the way through. Um, I, I use Dean Wesley Smith's writing into the dark method. And, um, you know, I, I talk a lot about that and be a writing machine. But I, I, my first 10 books, I did plot, I did outline. And in fact, I actually have a video on my YouTube channel. It's called uh, 10 Ways to Outline Your Novel. And I talk about some of the 10 major methods of it. And I give book recommendations and all of that. Um, we can maybe leave that in the show notes. Um, you can just go to my YouTube channel at authorlevelup.com or youtube.com slash authorlevelup. It should be right there on the front page. So that's one of my most popular videos on my channel. Excellent. Uh, we have another question from Mark. Uh, Kevin and Michael have awesome voices. Thank you, uh, Mark. Uh, so easy to listen to. Michael, have you considered recording your nonfiction books into audiobook yourself? That's such a great question, Mark. It's almost as if I planted it. I actually just <laughs> I just recorded uh, my first audiobook. So I have a book that I've, I've just wrote. It's coming out at the end of this month with the Alliance of Independent Authors. Yeah. It's called 150 Self-Publishing Questions Answered. So 
It takes all of the most common, most burning self-publishing questions and distills them into an easy book with short, easy, concise chapters that will give you the answers to the questions you have so that you can publish with confidence, right? So uh, I actually recorded the audiobook to that. So I, just behind me, I actually converted a closet in my basement into an audiobook booth. And so uh, I've actually just submitted the book to Audible and all those places and waiting for it to get approved. So thanks, Mark. What was that experience like recording the audiobook? Fascinating. Um, yeah, takes way more time than I ever thought it would take. Yeah, yep. I, and I've I've started and stopped a few hundred <laughs> times over the years. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's it's crazy. I mean, it it it, it it's very very technical. Like yeah. it's what it's something I would not, unless you're willing to delve into the technical specifications and and learn how to create audio. It it is a challenge, but. It's one of those things where if you do it, almost no one else is doing it. So it's a unique selling point. Yeah. So that's kind of yeah. why one of the reasons I did it. Yeah. I, I keep going back and forth, man. I'm waiting for somebody to come along and create a way for me to just, you know, drop my voice in and, you know, drop my manuscript in and my voice. And just, you know, there you go. Magic. Artificial intelligence. Magic. Yeah. Pay, uh, pay $10.99 and you can get Kevin Tumlinson to narrate every audiobook you have in your you library. Know, I will totally do that for <laughs> for the author community. I will let you use my voice for a uh, for a small fee. Uh, I wanted to drop this in here because I think it's hilarious. But Alyssa says that Kevin's a as great at breaking things. Do recommend as a <laughs> tester. Awesome. Uh, Good and to then, know. Uh, Lexi says can confirm Kevin is a breaker. So yes, I am actually quite skilled at breaking stuff. So I don't know how. I don't know why. But if it's going to break, I'm going to be the one to break it. So well, there you go. Consider yourself signed up, sir. <laughs> right uh, so, um, man, I can't believe you did an audio book, dude. You, and, uh, now, uh, Ally actually, did they like pay for anything, set anything up, or did they just ask you to do it or you just volunteer it? I actually volunteered to do it because I was okay. co-writing the book with them. And one of the, you know, one of the things that I do a lot is I'm a big on supporting Ally. And so yeah. anything I can do to donate my time and resources and energy to help them create better outreach and make more, you know, bring in more members and provide more value, I'm all for that. So yeah, it so completely, let's, let's completely donated. Yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about Ally. Um, so, what's uh, what's the big draw? Like, why would anybody want to be a member? Think about any industry. You know, think about um, politics. Think about media. Think about mm -hmm. uh, publishing. Don't all of those industries have organizations that go and advocate for their industries? I mean, yeah. if you think about it. Self-publishing yeah. is the only, until Ally was founded, was, is the only industry that didn't have that. So right. why not have a organization that understands and is, is, is created and it consists of indie authors that can communicate the needs of indie authors in the marketplace, right? And ethics and excellence is, is, is a really important thing for Ally, right? How do we help members, one, avoid getting scammed by unscrupulous service providers out there. Two, how do we help them create the best possible books that they can and get right. those books into readers so that they can create income and create independence for themselves, right? That is ultimately what Ally, Ally does. And they do that through so many, so many great resources. Uh, they've got a blog that is daily. <laughs> they've got a yeah. podcast network. 
They produce guidebooks um, co-written by many different authors that have tons of great expertise in the industry. And they're really just all about helping writers and helping them understand what their choices are in this new and uncertain world of publishing. So to me, you know, if I were not an ally member, I would be going to selfpublishingadvice.org and just checking out all the stuff that they provide because it's really remarkable to have an organization that does that amount of work for self-published writers, especially when you consider that we as a group, I mean, self-published writers, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we make money, but we're not like, like colossal uh, as a block, right? If you compare us to traditional publishers, you know, they, yeah. they have a lot more clout and a lot more uh, ability to move things forward in the marketplace. And it's, it's kind of cool to have an organization that, that fights for the underdog. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just writing about the uh, sort of the shift uh, this morning between sort of, you know, indie publishing and traditional publishing. And I, I've, I've come to the conclusion, Michael, that indie publishing is now just publishing. Like it is, yeah. we are publishing now. Exactly. Uh, and, and traditional publishing is the outlier. <laughs> That's what it feels like now, right? Like uh, we, we've got all these, uh, we're able to pivot and we're able to own the, this marketplace. So. Are you seeing uh, anything, you know, any trends in that direction uh, yourself? I mean, what's your what's your feeling about our status in the publishing world? Yeah, it, it you know, if anything, all of the most recent events have definitely solidified our status. I mean, I, I don't know a single indie author right now whose sales are not up. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. In, when, when March hit, March was my best month ever. And then yeah. April was my best month ever. And then May yeah. was my best month ever. And then June and July, it just keeps going up. Now, eventually it'll level off, right? But right. it's it's really remarkable. And I think more people are going to start looking at self-publishing and saying, hey, you know, these, this was the bright spot. This was where all the action was when print sales and all this stuff was down during the pandemic. And let's yeah. let's take another look at it. Well, the, the, one of the things that, so uh, Ernie Dempsey, uh, Ernest Dempsey, a uh, fellow author, a great guy, uh, said something that I just think makes perfect sense, which was uh, eventually everyone's going to run out of Netflix. Like everyone's going to get to the end of their Netflix queue and there's not going to be anything else left to stream and they're going to be hungry and looking for new content and it can't be produced. The kind of content people are looking for can't be produced right now. Uh, so they're going to start turning to ebooks more and more. I, 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 and, and, you know, once you fall in love with reading, you're, you're just sort of hooked for life. Uh, that's been my experience. I don't know how you, if you I agree. had a different experience. I mean, yeah. I think, I think this time, a lot of people who maybe didn't have time to read are finding more time to read. And I think that it, it seems like audio sales are down a little bit compared yeah. to where they were before all this. I think that's just, I think that's just a, a blip in the radar. I think audio is going to come back and it's going to come back in a big way because I think people are right. going to realize that there's a whole wide world out here of audiobooks. And wait a minute, I've got this um, device that begins with an A in my room. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to trigger people. Um, I've got this device and now they're, they're going to be putting them in cars. And I, it, there's all sorts of potential with voice and, and audio that I think has yep. been untapped. And so yeah. that's a that's a space for us to play in too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that audiobook sales have only gone down because commuting has gone down. But exactly. I think people are starting to realize that. Oh yeah, I like to be outside, uh, and I like to take walks, and I like to ride my bike. 
and uh, that's good. That's good audiobook time as well. So, um, yeah, it's been very interesting to see things happen. You know, of course, we've we've got an insider's view, uh, and watching ebook sales increase across the board with all retailers. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. doing very well. Uh, even Barnes and Noble is doing well. And Barnes and Noble wasn't doing so hot for a while there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was there was a moment where I think we were all a little concerned. We were all kind of holding our breath for a minute there, but we had faith. We always had faith that Barnes and Noble was going to pull through, uh, and it's good to see them start to embrace uh, eBooks finally. Uh, so, um, oh, we got a comment from uh, Tina on Facebook says, uh, "Ally brought me to Drafts Digital. Awesome." Thank you. Awesome. I'm, That's great. Great to hear. These are Ally and Draft Digital are two uh, entities that work very well in conjunction with each other. Absolutely. We, we, ha- we, we have the same uh, ethics and we have the same goal for authors is to see authors succeed. Yeah. I mean, uh, you guys have been great, great to Ally and it's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. I, was, I, I, I think we probably need to do more cross content, man. We need to figure out a way to. I, I love the idea of a support network for authors. I, I, I we kind of I draw I personally drop the ball all the time when it comes to Ally. So we, I, I got to get back in the groove. We got to get in there and we got to help each other out. Got my contact uh, information. I know, man. I know. It's a, I don't think <laughs> of it until moments like this, you know. So we're at the end, man, uh, and it flew by. I think uh, we we may have to work out a time to get you back on at some point in the future and talk about more of this stuff, but. Uh, where would you like to send people? I'm going to, I, I put up your, your author website and I should have put up the, I should have also included your, uh, author level up. I'm sorry. I didn't type that up in advance. If somebody in the comments would like to type the words, uh, authorlevelup.com, that's, that's the URL, right? Yes. Authorlevelup.com. Authorlevelup.com. And, uh, for those of you listening, you don't get to see any of the visual aids. So I want to read things out to you because we have. You can go check Michael out at michaellaron.com. That's Laron with two N's. Yep, two L's, two N's in the name. Two L's, two N's. A very confusing name, Michael. It is hard to it is hard to spell. <laughs> I, I will admit that. So authorlevelup.com would probably be a little bit easier. <laughs> exactly. This is exactly, by the way, why I bought um, authorontheroad.com, so that I can have something easier to send people to, like at a glance. Nobody's going to remember kevinthomason.com. Like nobody's yeah. just nobody's going to ever remember that. So, uh, so you uh, URLs are very important, everyone. So, Michael, anything you want to add, throw in, or advise people on before we wrap things up? Yeah, first things first. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be here. I, if if anyone would like to continue the conversation or see the content that I have, authorlevelup.com is the content that I have for writers. I have a YouTube channel called Author Level Up, and you can access the channel through there. I do videos every Friday on uh, helping writers master the craft of writing and put their best foot forward in the marketplace. And uh, yeah, Author Level Up is my hub. It's it's where um, you can find my YouTube channel. You can find my books for writers, as well as the podcast that I have going on. Excellent. And of course, if you are uh, watching on YouTube, it's real simple to go on over to Author Level Up uh, on uh, YouTube and follow, subscribe, like things. Uh, but before you go, please make sure that you like and subscribe on YouTube uh, for Draft Digital. YouTube.com slash Draft Digital is where you'll find us there. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Draft Digital. You may be sensing a theme. Go to your favorite social media and, and say slash draft digital and you'll probably find us uh and uh, uh michael man i really appreciate it. i always love talking to you man i know we always t- say we should do this more often and then i 
dropped the ball. But we'll, we're going to have to do this more often. Absolutely. And it, it's been my pleasure. And, and thank you for having me on. And thank you, everybody, for your wonderful comments. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. And make sure you bookmark d2dlive.com for more of these live broadcasts. If you're listening to us on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Share it with your friends. And uh, thank you for being a part of the Self-Publishing Insiders. And we'll see you all next time. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.